Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. therapy session for all of us. We are very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. She is Katie Wu. You could find her work over at The Athletic where earlier today she had a great piece that is titled Dakota Hudson struggle struggles rather continue to highlight the Cardinals rotation concerns. It is a good piece. You should go read it. It describes You'd everything it, that is going you? on right now with Dakota Hudson. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. What is going on with Dakota Hudson right now? Katie, say hey he's guys. Nice. Well, well, thank you for one. I'm going to add a radio therapist to my Twitter bio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, it's, it's a great question, and it's a glaring question at this point. Uh, Dakota Hudson, look, coming back from Tommy John surgery and rehabbing in the way that he did and doing, so, doing it so smartly and efficiently to get back to the Cardinals within a year after having that surgery is no easy task, right? I'm not going to sit here and, and say – the Cardinals expected him to come out and, and be a Cy Young Award winning pitcher, but they certainly expected him to be better than what they've seen so far. It really ultimately comes down to command and consistency. And BK, I thought you had a great tweet yesterday, and you were honestly right alongside with my thoughts of Dakota Hudson's stuff plays so well in the zone. When he can locate that sinker low in the strike zone, when he can locate the secondary pitches in the strike zone, He's generally very effective. The problem is he has not been able to do that and consistently locate the strike zone leads to way too many three-ball counts, way too many non-competitive pitches, and way too many stat lines like last night. So, Katie, with that being said, you asked Ollie the question, like, what happens from here with this? And Ollie basically said, like, we're going to keep giving him opportunities and we're going to exhaust all options to try and get him back to the level of pitcher he is. Can the Cardinals really afford to do that now? It's, again, a valid question, and right now they don't really have a choice. The Cardinals are not going to rush Steven Matz back from rehab because they have a need at the big league level, nor should they. I mean, Steven Matz and, and his rehab progress, Matz, again, is going to be very imperative to the starting rotation that's already plagued with enough concerns. They're not going to rush him back just because they have a question about another pitcher. That's unfair, and it doesn't make any sense, and they're not going to do that. Steven Matz probably has about two rehab starts not including his one scheduled for Thursday against Durham. It might be a little bit longer before we see Steven Matz, but the Cardinals certainly aren't going to accelerate his, his game plan there. Cardinals also don't know when they're getting Jack Flaherty back, and if they do get him back, which it, it sounds like they're optimistic they will, they don't know in which capacity or how effective he will be. So 
the Cardinals don't really have an option but to keep trying this with Dakota Hudson. And it's, I think, become such a glaring issue because there are so many concerns regarding the rotation. Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright can only do so much. You know, I, they've fortified this rotation at the top as they were expected to. Andre Pallante has been quite serviceable, although you can argue his better role right now is to be that middle inning reliever. Cardinals certainly aren't going to remove him from the rotation, of course. They don't have anyone else to put in there. So when they're evaluating Dakota Hudson, certainly Ollie Marmel was the first to say this is not sustainable. There needs to be some changes made. But they don't have anyone really that they feel like they can slot in there for this uncomfortable two- to three-week period while they wait for the return of Matt. Katie, do you think they're – I'm trying to think of the way to frame this because I'm not trying to have you like defend the organization if they don't make a move. I, I don't want to put you in that spot. But do you think that there is appetite within the organization to make an aggressive move the way that we saw Milwaukee last year make the move to go get the shortstop that they clearly needed and that set them in the correct trajectory? Do you feel like there is appetite within the Cardinals right now to make a move like that before the deadline, like within the next couple of weeks – to get the starter that we can all see that they clearly need. I think there's considerable pressure building, but let's remember how this front office operates. They have John Mazalock has not a, a president of baseball operations who goes usually and makes a major blockbuster trade. He does prefer to update the team with incremental incremental trying to think of a nice way to put this incremental optimistic upgrades. It worked last year with John Lester and Jay Happ. If the Cardinals are serious about being postseason contenders, and I'm not talking about expanded playoffs, hope they make it and then catch on fire, but surefire win the division, be a legitimate threat, they're going to need another starting pitcher. But I do think it is fair of them to wait and see what the status quo on Flaherty is, how Matt looks when he returns, and if Hudson can figure it out in these next two weeks. Now, I know those sound like three very, very positive things that need to happen and there are three very honestly unlikely things that happen of all three coming together and working the best case scenario but i do make i do think it makes sense when you think about the trade deadline and how selling teams will be so aggressive to buyers when it comes to starting pitching that the cardinals wait and see what they have internally and then after the all-star break make a decision if they go all in or all not i will say that if they look like they're going to be without Jack for a long period of time or Stephen Matz doesn't look as durable coming back from injury, the pressure will be immense to find the starting pitcher. This team, I do not believe, can contend to its full potential until they have another. And I'm not even talking about a 4-5 starting pitcher. I'm talking a 2-3 starting pitcher in that rotation. Katie, I don't know how much you've explored that side of things. So if I'm putting you in a bad spot, I apologize. But we've talked about so many names. Do any names pop up to you other than the the usuals, Frankie Montas and things like that? Not really, because I really do think it depends on the three pitchers that I just mentioned and their relative status approaching the trade deadline. I do say the Cardinals are in a bit of a disadvantage, though, because two of the more alluring starting pitchers and Luis Castillo and, and Molly from the Reds are in the division. And it's not likely that the Cardinals and the Reds will make a divisional trade. I do think that the Cardinals will have to be a little bit more willing to part with some high prospects. Look, the thing about the trade deadline is it's not as understanding or easy to work as the off season trade deadline teams are coming for blood. Opposing teams are going to recognize the Cardinals have a vast need for starting pitching, and they're going to try to drain as much as they can. That's how the business works. You know, this, every team wants to be, or at least says they want to be competitive. So 
when you're looking at what the Cardinals need to do to get a starting pitcher, you're also going to have to look at the substantial amount of players. And, you know, this is, I'm not just talking about depleting the farm system. There are maybe some pieces on the big league roster currently that could be in consideration to get traded. It all just depends how much the Cardinals think that they need that pitcher and ultimately how heavily they believe they can rely on, on Flaherty, Matt, and Hudson coming forward. Although certainly at this point of the season, that doesn't look like a sustainable method for success. Katie Wu is our guest from The Athletic. She's joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Find her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu and be sure to subscribe over at The Athletic is well worth the price of admission. Katie, it's interesting you mentioned they could potentially like honestly be forced to trade from their big league club right now. I Do you think that I, the guy that we've talked about that would have value elsewhere, because that's part of the equation, right? It's not just here, we'll give you the guy that we don't want anymore and you can give us the, the Frankie Montas st- type of a starter. <laughs> it, we're going to give you a guy that clearly has value. Do you think there's any possibility that Tyler O'Neill could be the guy that ends up in those conversations? That's interesting because my first inclination would be no, only because the Cardinals and the front office took so long to build this ideal outfield. I mean, it it took years to blend together Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson. And they've ultimately only had that outfield consistently for the second half of one season, that being last year. The front office is so meticulous in crafting this outfield, and Tyler O'Neill is so pivotal to that outfield's defense that my inclination is to say no. However, you are completely right. The Cardinals can't just say, hey, here's someone that we're not using right now and don't really have a fit for, and here's a prospect. You take them, and we'll get something that we really need back. That's not how it's going to work. The Cardinals have to be prepared, I think, if they're really in the market to get a starting pitcher to make a difficult decision on that active roster on who that is. I personally do not think that's Tyler O'Neill for the reasons I just said. I do think, and I know this is not going to be a popular decision, Juan Yepes, who has been so electric, is such a prized bat in that lineup. Cardinals really like versatility. I mean, this is all speculation here. I've not heard anything like this. So if you don't like this opinion, yell at me. That's totally (laughs) fine. (laughs) Totally fine. I'm clarifying one more time. This is just speculation on my part when you're looking at pivotal pieces on the roster that the Cardinals might not want to part with but might have to. We've seen how much this organization emphasizes roster versatility and defensive versatility. You see that in Brendan Donovan, which makes him pretty much untouchable from my perspective. Yepes is such an alluring bat with such a high ceiling. He's going to be under team control for quite a while. Does he fit defensively in how the Cardinals like to organize their lineup? Not really. That's certainly not for lack of effort. I think what he's been trying to do in the corner outfields and learning at the major league level, that's not an easy task to do. But because he lacks the defensive versatility that many of the other players have on the roster, I think that makes an easier decision should the Cardinals have to choose to part with someone they really don't want to. So, Katie, final one from me, which kind of ties into the trade conversation, but also it's the question that I've been seeing so much about, and it's the catcher position. Uh, the Cardinals made a, a really interesting move, making the decision to send Yvonne Herrera back down and bring up Austin uh, Romine as the uh, catcher. What's going on with Yachty? And in that trade conversation, are, are any of these catchers, do you think, possibly pieces to a trade? Yeah, I'm glad we brought up the catchers because I think we get so caught up in the starting pitching, and rightfully so, we forget there is another glowing or glaring hole uh, 60 feet from the mound. The Cardinals don't really have an update on Yachty or Molina. It's a perplexing situation. He's not been cleared for baseball activity. He is at home resting in Puerto Rico. They are hopeful he'll return around the all-star break, but again, there's no definitive timetable. I understand the organization's thought process and option, Yvonne Herrera, 
There is so much potential there for Herrera. He is still regarded as the team's catcher of the future. He may not be ready to consistently play in the big leagues because he is consistently trying to adjust to a big league level. That's big league framing, big league pitch calling, big league preparation. That's a lot to ask for a guy who ultimately wasn't expected to be here until late this season at the earliest. Andrew Kisner has not been able to show that he can produce offensively, consistently, Cardinals were hoping that with consistent playing time and more substantial at-bats, he'd be able to establish a little bit more consistency. That hasn't been the case. That leads to Austin Romine, who's a defensive first catcher. Usually you don't really need an offensive threat behind the plate. They're hoping his, I I think, experience and his overall defensive makeup can help bridge the gap for when Yachty returns. But it would be really difficult if the Cardinals see themselves without Yachty or Molina for a significant time in the second half to find a starting catcher at the trade deadline. There aren't many available, and even when there are, it's very rare that you see an organization part with their, their starting catcher at the deadline. It's one of the unlikeliest trades to make, regardless of team or situation. So certainly, whatever is going on behind the plate, you want Yachty or Molina back as soon as possible for an abundance of reasons. If he's going to miss significant time leading into August, again, the Cardinals don't know that. They certainly hope he does not. I'm not sure the Cardinals have a way to go out and make that position any stronger than they already have simply because it is quite rare for a trade involving a starting catcher to end up actually happening at the trade deadline. It's even more rare when the the catcher most likely to be traded is Contreras from the Chicago Cubs. I highly doubt the Cardinals and the Cubs make something like that happen. Katie, it's always great to be able to catch up with you. Enjoy yourself down in uh, Cobb County. I know there's a ton to do around that ballpark, so enjoy yourself out there, and I'll talk with you again next week. Yeah, guys, if I look out my window right now, I can see a Waffle House sign, so it's great. Heck yeah, go get some of that, Katie. <laughs> Take I'm going to do Katie. it. First we'll talk time. with you next week. Thanks, guys. Did you say first time? She said first time Waffle House. Hold on, we need to follow up with this. Katie, this is not the first time you're going to a Waffle House. You've never been to Waffle House? No, this this is a huge this is a huge thing for me, you guys. I've never been to a Waffle House. They don't have them in California. So, all, Katie, I, you cover baseball excited. for a living. You go to other places other than uh, California. Yeah, but I'm not going to a Waffle House unless it's walking distance from my hotel, and it just happens oh. to work out this way. Katie, let me so, tell you something. We need updates. Yeah, this is I, something you got to tweet this out. Go get yourself a loaded hash with cheese and ham. <laughs> go get yourself a waffle, and you know what? Add on to it a burger because I'm telling you, it's the best. It's the best mixture you can ask for. Don't don't do that last part. Do it, do it, Katie. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I cannot wait to get back to you guys on yes. my Waffle House adventures. We can lead it off next week. Yes, fantastic. That's what we will do. Katie, appreciate it as always. Enjoy yourself at Waffle House. Thanks so much. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number. 
the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.